Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In this episode, we will be celebrating the snowy season by looking at the 2004 package film, Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas. In this series, we won't be doing a deep analysis of the film or giving a bunch of behind-the-scenes facts, but rather giving our impressions of the overall film and the songs from the film. We'll also be giving a score to the film and ranking the songs. So find out who's been naughty and who's been nice and enjoy this episode. They've all been naughty. Not a single one of them is nice. That's that's the real we're, kicker of this movie. We'll get into it. Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas is a 2004 computer animated direct-to-video. Oh, the producer just hopped up onto the back of my chair and scared Pumpkin me. Pumpkin has her eyes. <laughs> yeah. Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas is a 2004 computer animated direct-to-video Christmas sequel to 1999's Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas. The five segments in this video feature Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Pluto, Goofy, Max, Donald Duck, Daisy Duck, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and Scrooge McDuck. Along with Mickey's Philharmagic theme park attraction, I had to practice saying that so many times and still didn't nail it, um, this production was one of the first to depict Mickey Ma- the Mickey Mouse series characters in computer animation. The film has mixed reviews from critics and audiences alike. The film was released on DVD and VHS on November 9th, 2004. Coinciding with its 10th anniversary, the film was released in a two-movie collection Blu-ray and DVD with its predecessor, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas, on November 4th, 2014. Interestingly enough, after I watched this, it recommended Mickey Saves Christmas to me, which I wonder if that's like a loose sequel to this, and maybe we'll do that that next year. Who knows? Maybe. Unfortunately, Um, it's Tim Allen month, so we cannot do that. Yeah, this is one of the... Sadly, we don't have Tim Allen here, but... um, you know, I, you saw that I put the poll up, on, or not the poll, but like that little voting thing on Instagram for uh, Tim Allen month. It doesn't count because we were the two people who voted. One nope. other person There was voted. another one who voted, yeah. One other person. And it ended up with 24 people looking at it and only three people voting. Rude so, of them. Don't, Fans. Don't insult our listeners. Maybe you can you know? edit that out. <laughs> If, if you if you see in the stories that I post something, go ahead and interact with it. We always want to hear feedback from people. So anyway... Joe Linden of Variety wrote that the film will mostly appeal or will appeal mostly to parents who wish to distract their children as children will not realize the novelty value of computer animated Disney characters. And Robert uh, Parody of TV Guide rated the film a three out of five stars and wrote a candy cane palette and festive soundtrack bolster this omnibus, which allow Disney favorites a chance to strut some new stuff. Segment directors are Peggy Holmes for Bells on Ice, Teresa Pentengill for Christmas Maximus, Carol Holiday as for Donald's Gift, and Matthew O'Callaghan for Christmas Impossible and Mickey's Doggone Christmas. O'Callaghan is also listed as the supervising director. Written by Chad Fivish, Carol Holiday, Peggy Holmes, Bill Motts, Matthew O'Callaghan, Jim Peranto, and James Patrick Stottero. Produced by Pam Marsden. Edited by Julie Rogers and Kirk Demarest. Music by Stephen James Taylor. Production company is Disney Toon Studios. Distributed by Walt Disney Home Entertainment. The runtime is 67 minutes. Starring Wayne Alwine as Mickey Mouse. Tony Anselmo as Donald Duck. 
Jeff Bennett as Donner Elves and Crying Elf, Jim Cummings as Blitzen, Bill Farmer as Goofy and Pluto, Tess McNeil as Daisy Duck and Female Elf, Jason Marsden as Max Goof, Kelly Martin as Mona, Chuck McCann as Santa Claus, Clive Revel as the narrator, Rosie Taylor as Minnie Mouse, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, Alan Young as Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, which besides James Marston and Jim Cummings, I didn't recognize any of these names. I don't know if this was just who was voicing the characters at the time, but... Um, I... Maybe, but I also... I'm one of those people that I'm like, eh, I really shouldn't recognize that many voice actors. Yeah. Like, if I'm recognizing them, yeah. then you're probably casting too famous of people to be this. That's true. That's kind of how I feel with... I know a lot of people have pointed out lately that they wish a lot of production companies would go back to casting actual voice actors and not like let's get chris pratt to do that like <laughs> you all know what i'm talking about huh? yeah no just don't get me chris pratt like no but yeah no i i agree i i think you know and even i would go so far as to say oh gosh pumpkin is making so much noise out there today pumpkin agrees yeah. i i would go so far as to say that um the Marvel and DC characters, you don't have to get big actors for them either. Like, who was Chris Hemsworth before he played Thor? He was unknown. You know, who? That, Christian Bale was popular in... I think in- what's happening oh, with that sorry. now, and it, you know, is you have things like Marvel, but like, now that it's so big, they can just hire whoever they want because there's people that want to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So you have people like, I'll do that. Can I do that? Can I do something? Yeah, but at the same time, you have to worry about, like, oh, they signed a uh, seven-picture deal. Are they going to come back and do more if we want them for more? Like, I think you get young, hungry actors who will sign a 10-, 15-picture deal, like, and you cast that. Because the characters are what going to drive, or, excuse me, is what is going to drive the MCU or the DC movies at this point. Like, you don't need Ben Affleck to play Batman. He was great. But you don't need him. You don't need Michael Keaton in the upcoming Flash movie to play Batman. Again, great, and cool. it'll be cool to see him again. But you don't need him. You can get young, hungry actors. Like, who was Christian Bale before he played Batman? He was known for American Psycho a little bit, and he did a lot of indie movies, but he wasn't a household name. Same thing with Robert Pattinson before Twilight. He was Cedric Diggory. Like, that, that was his most famous character yeah. before Twilight. Like, you don't need to get known names to play big characters. You'll get people to see them. Without the, in my opinion, anyway, maybe I'm wrong. Um, but anyway, <laughs> boy, Pumpkin is really. Pumpkin is yeah. hyper today. I'm gonna try my. I, I don't know if it's getting picked up by the mic, but he is jumping all around. Anyway, you on that? You on that nip, bud? I don't know what he's on right now. But get, diving into the plot, uh, the film opens with the narrator reciting the first ten words of the night before Christmas before saying, "Oh wait, different story," but we'll still see a mouse. The narrator then announces new tales of giving and loving, and a book opens to show the uh, to show pop up elves. And I wrote a book opening points to the overall score. <laughs> I don't know if it saves that for me, but you write okay. a book opening. Yeah. There was a book opening throughout it, and a book yeah, closing no, I at the end. I like yeah. that. And the first segment we have is called "Bells on Ice," and that's bells like women, you know, pretty women bells. Yes. Um, the first story features Minnie Mouse and Daisy Duck, who are competing in an ice skating competition. The girls each are joined by their boyfriends, Mickey and Donald, as they prepare to take the ice. Minnie is announced to take the ice first for her routine, which involves a bell choir and the alligators from Fantasia as backup skaters. 
I like that they were the backup skaters. Yeah, there's a lot of trivia. I don't know if I'll include it. I'm not going to tri- include all the trivia I have at the end of this, but there was a lot of trivia about different segments that they were going to do, and one of them was a segment with the alligators and hip and hippos from Fantasia. I think it was going to be the Nutcracker, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, but they decided to work them into this instead. As Minnie and the alligators perform their routine, Daisy begins to become jealous at how the crowd enjoys the performance. She decides to ruin Mickey's, or excuse me, she decides to ruin Minnie's routine by stealing the spotlight for herself, performing amazing jumps and tricks on the ice. Trying to regain the spotlight, Minnie performs a daredevil jump over the alligators, turning all eyes on her. Not to be outdone, Daisy enlists her secret weapons, the Fantasia Hippos. The hippos charge out of a huge golden gift box and become Daisy's backup skaters. They perform twists and jumps and help Daisy to once again gain the crowd's affection. Fed up, Daisy and Minnie begin to argue and shove. This creates a huge pinwheel on the ice, and the hippos hanging onto Daisy and the alligators hanging onto Minnie. The spinning is so violent that the hippos and alligators are thrown in all directions, causing the alligators to spill bells across the ice and one of the stray hippos to create a huge lift in the ice. Seizing her moment to shine, Daisy lines up her hippos and performs a massive jump off the lift and over the hippos. Trying desperately to outdo Daisy, Minnie instructs her alligators to hoist up the hippos and launches herself off the lift, off the lift over the skaters while blindfolded with her bow over her eyes. As she lands, her skate hits a stray bell on the ice and she falls hard. Realizing her friend is injured, Daisy helps Minnie up, feeling sorry for her actions. Then the two friends begin a a grand finale. The hippos and alligators proceed to form a tent, while Minnie and Daisy skate through through with blue and pink streamers, respectively. The hippos and alligators then pop out of the golden present, first hippos, then alligators. Finally, the huge golden present rises upward and out on top of the pops... Yeah, and on the top pops Minnie and Daisy. They then spell peace on earth with their streamers, and then the two hug and wish each other a Merry Christmas to thunderous applause from the audience. So I have a couple notes here. The first thing that I wanted to say was, with the exception of video games, this was my first time seeing the Disney characters animated in 3D. And while I still prefer their traditional 2D animation, I do have to say that this one was beautifully done. Even the small details of the ice skates creating lines in the ice is great because it meant that the animators were paying attention to what the characters were doing. However, I think I may have preferred this segment if it were Mickey and Donald competing against each other. To me, it seemed out of character for that Daisy would get jealous of Minnie and vice versa. However, Mickey and Donald have a long history of competing against each other, and Donald is most well known for his temper. So for me, I'm I'm used to the style animation for mm. these characters. So this wasn't too like, oh, that stood out to me nearly as much. Mm. Like, it's whatever. It's how I expect to see them, to be honest. And uh, I hated them fighting. Like, hated it. Like immediately, it was like, oh, is this what this is gonna be? Because I did not like. It's not Minnie and Daisy. Right. Like, yeah, Daisy's a bit of a prima donna sometimes, but she wouldn't, like, put Minnie out like that. Like, they wouldn't argue like that. Unless maybe they were arguing because Mickey and Donald were arguing with each other, which is not what's going on. So, 
Agreed. It's very out of character for both of them. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I think you could have done this even with, like, do it with Daisy and Minnie and did it where they weren't so, like, viciously jealous because it felt a little, like, too much. Yeah, especially having Daisy <laughs> jump into the mi- middle of Minnie's routine and everything Yeah, like that. I'm like, like, why would she do that? Like, yeah. and, like, it just made Daisy look like an awful, awful character to yeah. just be like, my best friend's getting the spotlight before me because obviously she was going to go next. So yeah. it's not like... Like, Daisy, you could have upstaged her when it was your turn to upstage her. Right. Like like, like I said, do you agree with me? It would have been better if it was Mickey and Donald competing. Maybe, but I think I think it's just it should have been handled better and it would have been fine to be Daisy and Minnie. Yeah. It's just the fact that, like... Or even just have Minnie do her whole routine. That's what I'm saying. Then like, have Daisy do Have her, Daisy, you know. and then they're, like, maybe... I don't know, like, maybe Minnie's a little dejected that, like, Daisy did better than her, and then they can yeah. still come together in the end. Like, okay. I think there's ways for this to work without it, like, it being so violent the way yeah. it was. Like, that's what killed me. Very out of character for them. And I gave this segment a 5 out of 10 because oh. of that. I wrote down a 7 out of 10. I thought that it was average, but the animation bumped it up a few points in my book. I just really didn't like the actual, like plot line okay. also this is a christmas thing and it did not feel very christmasy like <laughs> it was like oh man this is just ice skating ice skating yeah you know i guess that's done in winter time so true yeah at least outdoor ice skating is done in winter time so but moving into the next segment it's called christmas impossible which i guess it's supposed to be like mission impossible but mm-hmm. christmas impossible um okay <laughs> <laughs> the, the the second story features Huey, Dewey, and Louie Duck celebrating Christmas Eve at their Uncle Scrooge's mansion in Duckburg. Donald Duck and Daisy Duck also join in the festivities. The story begins with Donald decorating the mansion's huge Christmas tree, while Huey, Dewey, and Louie, who, without noticing, bump into Donald's ladder and cause him to fall. The boys run into the kitchen to find Great Uncle Scrooge baking Christmas cookies. When they ask for cookies, Scrooge tells them they can only have them after their dinner. At the dinner table, Donald, Daisy, Scrooge, and the boys are ready for dessert, but when Scrooge uncovers the dessert tray, he finds that the boys have eaten all the cookies. Donald angrily sends the boys to bed. In the boys' bedroom, Scrooge tells the boys not to make mistakes in life because Santa will put them on his naughty list. Just like Uncle Scrooge. Which Uncle, is... Uncle Scrooge at least being like, listen, yeah. I did bad, man. You don't want to be on the naughty list. Don't be me. Listen, boys, I'm a capitalist. And... Do not be me. <laughs> yeah, that was a terrible Scottish accent. <laughs> but but he's just like, I'm a capitalist, boys, and I do capitalism real hard, and I'm on Santa's naughty list because of it. Um, after realizing that they are on the naughty list for sure, the boys decide to travel to the North Pole in order to write their names on Santa's good list. Or the nice list, I guess I should say. They mail themselves to the North Pole and end up in Santa's toy factory. The boys find a map to Santa's list room in the factory, but when they arrive there, the door is locked. So they go to Santa's office to steal the key, but find that Santa is inside napping. To steal the key without... Which this Santa could have been Tim Allen. You know, that, that would have worked out perfectly, but... Yeah. yeah say la vie. <laughs> to, to steal the key without waking Santa, the boys enter through an overhead uh, grate. Louie is dropped down with a fishing rod to get the key, which lies on Santa's desk. After getting the key, the boys race back through the toy room, where they steal skateboards and skate through the room, causing them to make a mess over the toys, especially crashing into a stack of jailbreak bobs. 
The accident causes keys for Jailbreak Bob's jail cell to scatter all over the floor. The boys and the other elves help sort out the keys, but one elf finds a key that doesn't fit. Not, uh, not knowing it is the key the boys want, the elf throws it, causing it to land in a box. The package is wrapped and placed into Santa's toy sack, among many other gifts. The boys begin to unwrap each gift, searching for the key, causing all the elves' hard work to be ruined. The boys find the key and run for the list room, but accidentally bump right into Santa. Santa sees the key and thinks that the boys are returning it to him, so he puts it in his pocket. Meanwhile, the toy room is in disarray. The elves begin to think that Christmas is ruined. After regretting their actions, the boys help clean up the mess in record time so that Christmas can be saved. After saving Christmas, the boys start to walk out of the factory feeling sorry that they could not get on Santa's good list. But as they walk, they see an elf janitor open Santa's list room. The boys rush in, tell the janitor about a mess somewhere else, and find the list for Duckburg. Just as they begin to write their names on the list, the boys think twice and instead write down Uncle Scrooge's name. The boys mail themselves back to, back to Duckburg just in time for Christmas Day. Donald, Daisy, and Scrooge and the boys gather around the tree to find a present for their great Uncle Scrooge. The boys open it to reveal bagpipes, the present Uncle Scrooge has wanted ever since he was small. Donald then notices that there are more presents behind the tree, and everyone opens their gift. Daisy and Daisy finds it amusing that Donald's gift is a big is the big book of manners. That was kind of because Donald was quite rude in in this uh, segment. Amazed that they received gifts from Santa, the boys find a letter addressed to them. It is from Santa, and in it he tells the boys that their good deed of putting Scrooge on the good list allowed them to be on the good list as well, as well as helping with the the mess in the toy shop. As a P.S., Santa wrote, "You might need these." which the boys think at first are marshmallows, but realize are earplugs for Uncle Scrooge's terrible bagpipe playing. I have earplugs that same color, so I immediately was like, earplugs! <laughs> uh, so I have a couple notes that I wrote down here. I put, so I praised the 3D animation in the previous segment, but here it seemed off. The characters moved in weird ways, and very quickly for some reason, which is further escalated when the boys helped clean up the factory. And they all looked wet during the entire segment. Like, all the characters just looked wet to me. I, I don't know what that was about. And Huey, Dewey, and Louie looked uh, especially creepy. And then I further wrote, Also, isn't this the same story as the last movie? The three boys misbehave, but in the end change their be behavior and save Christmas? So I gave the segment a three out of, uh, three out of ten. I appreciate when we, like, play on, like, Scrooge and stuff and Scrooge being a good guy sometimes. So I appreciate that. So we don't get that very often. Like, Scrooge is a good uncle to everybody and takes care of his duckies. But, uh, you're right. It's a little... It's kind of a regurgitation of the last one. Even if it's not quite the same. Yeah. Which I'm like, this is maybe why you shouldn't have done, like, a Twice Upon a Christmas if you weren't gonna, like... Because even the next segment also kind of feels that way, too, uh -huh. about, like, a regurgitation, but in a good way. Yeah. Like... Agreed. And the next yeah. segment's very short. Yeah, and I two. think that's why. It's short, so it's very good at the same time, but I gave this one a 4 out of 10. Okay. So the next segment is Christmas Maximus, and it is the, uh, the third story features Max Goof and Goofy celebrating the holidays. Max, now all grown up, is bringing home his friend Mona to meet Goofy. However, Max is unsure whether or not he wants Mona to meet his dad. Most of the story takes place within the song Make Me Look Good. 
The story begins with Max and Mona at a train station preparing to leave uh, for the town where Goofy lives. Max calls Goofy to remind him of Mona and also asks his dad not to embarrass him during the visit. And I wrote down a note here saying, a payphone. If this movie came out even two years later, Max would have just used a cell oh, phone. Oh, definitely. <laughs> it was just like, whoa, a payphone. You know, this is what I'm saying. Like, we're, It's once again a movie about, like, like it's a, se- a section of, like, Max kind of being embarrassed by Goofy, but also, like, at least this one's not him about, like, believing in Christmas, because that is more so what it was about. But we yeah. do have a lot of, like, he's being embarrassing again that's like, that's every goofy movie storyline uh, literally <laughs> um, any goofy and max storyline is uh, dad's being embarrassing again but it's also cute that like you see in those early and early parts of sequence that you're like max is also really goofy because mm. he is his father's son he he's is. a little bit of a goof he, agreed <laughs> <laughs> but mona and max leave the station on the train and arrive in spoonerville to find goofy waiting for them Goofy is dressed in his chauffeur suit, standing in front of his car and holding a sign that says Maxi with the IE crossed out in red. <laughs> uh, Goofy drives Max and Mona to his home, where many uh, where many Christmas lights and decorations are all over the house and lawn. After that, Goofy seems to accidentally keep embarrassing Max by showing Mona baby pictures and wiping cocoa off of Max's face. That I actually did crack up with the naked baby max photo that he shows it was it was pretty funny max at first is embarrassed by his dad but after taking a walk out in the snow by himself he realizes that goofy is always well goofy and that's why he loves him max forgets about being embarrassed and decides to join in the fun just in time to witness the popcorn maker in the kitchen overflow and flood the whole house with popcorn max goofy and mona are forced up the chimney by the popcorn and land on the roof, where they laugh and make snow angels together in the popcorn covering the roof. So first we have uh, the song here, Make Me Look Good, performed by Tom Leonard. And I wrote, it's an uh, alright background song, but not making a playlist for me, 5 out of 10. Yeah, I gave it a 5 out of 10 too. It's it's an okay song, but, you know, I think it makes this segment what it is, so. Yeah. And then I have a couple pieces of trivia here. First being, it should be noted that Kelly Martin, who played... Roxanne, Max's first love, uh, Max's first love interest in a Goofy movie, plays Mona, Max's second love interest in the Christmas Maximus segment. And Roxanne was actually supposed to be in the film in person instead of Mona, but it was scrapped due to the animators not having the budget to animate her wavy long hair, leading to fans wondering why they just didn't give her a haircut. Like have it be the that same character, but sense. yeah. <laughs> and then that this is. This was Max Goof's last appearance in any official Disney animation until photo cameos in in the DuckTales reboot episode Quack Pack 16 years later. And this is also the oldest aged appearance of Max Goof after an extremely goofy movie, which one of the photos too showed him on a bicycle, like doing like kind of stunts. I like that. Honestly, I just like justice for Max. I wish we'd see more of Max. Like. I got to meet Max on my last trip to Disney, and that was great. Oh, I love Max. That's cool. Like, you just don't see him a lot. He's not anywhere. And, like, I think you're, you know, like, yeah, this, this is the same story we always hear with Max and Goofy. Maybe that's the problem, is I'd like to hear a different Max and Goofy storyline. Yeah. Or just a Max storyline. Agreed. I'm... Max is an adult. He's his own person. You don't have to show me him as, like, a kid dealing with his dad. Max could have his own kids now. Yeah, and... Max could be in his 20s. We could be dealing with, like... Oh, I think Max Gra- is well beyond his 20s now. He's got to be in his... here's the thing. He's a character. He could be whatever we want them That's to be. That's true. Yeah. 
but for my segment score, I wrote that it's great to see Max goof, so points for that. And the segment is short, so bonus points. However, it's the same story that they always tell with Max and Goofy. Max is embarrassed of his dad, but learns to come around to it. So I only gave it a 5 out of 10. I gave it a 7 out of 10, but I love Max. I love Goofy. And I like that this was short and sweet and to the point. And it felt wholesome Christmas here. It was very wholesome. Okay. Unlike a lot of this other stuff that happens in every single one of these. (laughs) (laughs) So the next segment is called Donald's Gift. The fourth story revolves around Donald Duck and his Christmas wish of peace and quiet. Daisy Duck and Huey, Dewey, and Louie also appear. The story begins with Donald returning home from Christmas shopping. As he exits a store, he sees an ad for Coco and imagines himself at home in his warm armchair. He soon realizes, though, that uh, he was daydreaming and his bus left without him. He tries to catch the bus, but is slowed down by a tree decorator, a Christmas donation collector, a caroling barbershop quartet, and an old woman. As he tries to get the bus, We Wish You a Merry Christmas is sung by the townspeople he sees. So I wrote song with a question mark. It's not really featured, but it's the background song of the entire segment. And while Donald try, uh, and Donald tries to catch his bus. So I gave it a 5 out of 10. I don't know if you wanted to... I didn't really rate it, but okay. yeah, I would say 5 out of 10. Like, it was okay, you know. Alright. Donald then must walk home. Along the way, he hears people singing We Wish You a Merry Christmas and becomes very annoyed. At home, Donald prepares himself a cup of cocoa and rests in his armchair until being distracted by the arrival of Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Daisy also arrives and asks Donald if he is ready to go to the mall to see the Christmas decorations and the windows at Mousie's department store. Definitely a stand-in for Macy's, but... Love it, though. Love a good, like... Mouse pun? Yeah, mouse pun. (laughs) Although Donald initially refuses to go, Daisy makes him come with her and the boys and tells him to stop being selfish. Listen, I need to say this now. Y'all are being selfish yourselves. Yeah. Donald is never just allowed to relax. Like, Donald's like, I just want to sit in this chair with freaking Coco, man, and let me... Enjoy Christmas my own way. Yeah. yeah. Can we go to Mousy's tomorrow or something like that? Yeah. The display will still be there. But Especially yeah. because he, like, had such a hard time Yeah, that day. Like, he should just be like, everything is awful today. Please just stop. Yeah. Like, I think, you know, like, he definitely goes overboard later, and that's its own issue. But, like, respect Donald's wishes. And then uh, none of that happens because all he wanted to do was relax, and you forced him out. Agreed. At the mall, Donald, Daisy, and the boys gather in front of Mousie's with other people to watch the window unveiling. Donald then wanders off to buy some hot chocolate. After he gets his cocoa, literally every little noise he hears in the mall seems to play the tune, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. An exasperated Donald can't escape the tune until he finally finds a door into another room. He enters a dark room and thinks that he is finally safe when he discovers that he stumbled onto the Mousie's window display where the animatronic dolls begin singing We Wish You a Merry Christmas, and Donald becomes extremely annoyed. Back in front of Mousie's, a woman announces the unveiling will commence. A curtain rises to reveal Donald damaging the window display to the horror of the crowd. Donald himself has only realized what he has done upon the rise of the curtain and is quickly horrified at what he has done. Donald tries to explain to Daisy and the boys but extremely disappointed in Donald's lack of Christmas spirit, she tells him that this is a new low even for him, and leaves the mall, sadly, without him. Donald, knowing he deserved it, watches on brokenly 
feeling deeply remorseful about what he did. And I have a note here that I wrote down. Uh, it wasn't in the summary, but there's a dog character that twice gets hot cocoa spilled on himself. <laughs> and I actually laughed at the second time when he said, oh, what are the odds? <laughs> so it cracked me up when he did that. Soon, Donald is thrown out of the mall by a policeman who angrily rebukes him for lacking Christmas spirit and damaging the mousie's window display. Walking back home sadly, even collapsing midway to his knees, Donald feels guilty about how his nephews had rejected him as their uncle and finally realizes he should have enjoyed Christmas more with his friends and family, just as Daisy asked him to. After seeing Daisy, Huey, Dewey, and Louie uh, ordering hot chocolate, but sadly walking away, still unable to face them, Donald sees a group of carol carolers trying to sing We Wish You a Merry Christmas, unable to sing together. Annoyed at their terrible singing, Donald takes charge and conducts the group. The lovely singing causes a small crowd to form, with people joining in and singing with the carolers. Soon, the crowd draws in Daisy and the boys, who see Donald finally enjoying the Christmas, or finally showing his Christmas spirit. As Donald apologizes to everyone for ruining the, the display, he joins the others gathered around the Christmas tree outside, singing We Wish You a Merry Christmas in Harmony. And I wrote down better animation than the previous duck segment, so points for that. And I found Donald being annoyed by hearing We Wish You a Merry Christmas Everywhere kind of clever. So I gave it a 5 out of 10. I enjoyed that it came back around that, like, for once, Donald being frustrated. That's a good thing. Like, he was frustrated with his people singing poorly. And he was like, no, we're fixing it. And that brought out his Christmas spirit. Like, it wasn't a, Donald just suddenly found Christmas, like... No, Donald was just annoyed yet again, but, like, it, it was to his advantage, and he fixed the issue. Yeah. Like. But I also think, like, if there, in the real world, if there is a Christmas song that annoys you, because there's only, like, what, 25 Christmas songs? There's and... more than that. That's all they play, though. <laughs> yeah, but, like, it, you just hear it, you hear it over and over again at department stores or on the radio or whatever. You're gonna go a little crazy. You're gonna go a little nuts hearing that Christmas song that annoys you. So I was like, all right, it, it's kind of clever having that real world attitude or whatever you want to say towards it. So we're in the final segment of the film, which ironically, even though I think feel like this segment has the most happen in it, the summary was the shortest. So. It's also the longest segment, I'm pretty sure, which is... Yeah, I th I'd say it's about a third of the movie by yeah, itself. Yeah, is this... But, but uh, it's called Mickey's Doggone Christmas. And the fifth and final segment of the movie begins when Mickey Mouse... Well, when Mickey makes decorations for the Christmas party until Pluto keeps interrupting. When Pluto tries to put the star on top of the Christmas tree, he inadvertently destroys all the decorations and knocks down the Christmas tree. And I wrote a note here saying, I cracked up at Pluto sneaking to get, like, the star for the tree, like he did mm -hmm. the little tippy-toes and they played the little piano music and everything. <laughs> An exasperated Mickey scolds Pluto and harshly sends him to the doghouse. Feeling disgraced and rejected by his owner, Pluto decides to run away from home by removing his collar and hopping on board a train. Does the little kid thing. I'm running away. I'm running away from home. Yeah. Screw you. But he actually does run away. Um, Pluto finds himself shipped to the North Pole, where the reindeer adopt him and call him Murray. As in I Murray... love the reindeer this entire time. Yeah. Murray Christmas. Yeah, Murray Christmas. When Mickey drives with the new uh, Christmas decorations, they crash into a bridge, and the truck runs over. Uh, a truck runs over them. So Mickey arrives back home. He, defl uh, he deflates his inflatable Santa, cleans up the mess with trash bags, and rips apart one of his trash bags and puts the decorations back up. 
And I have here a note saying, Mickey's line about having to be a sorcerer to clean up this mess. I see what you did there. He is a sorcerer. Well, he was also <laughs> holding a broom when I he know. did it. And yeah, yep. so I was like, oh, there it is. Another Fantasia uh, callback or whatever you want to say. He begins regretting his outburst at Pluto. And when he goes to Pluto's doghouse to apologize, he finds Pluto missing. Mickey calls Minnie for help, but it goes straight to her answering machine while she was blow-drying her hair after a shower. When he tells Minnie by message that all looks lost, Pluto ran away, Christmas is ruined, and he's canceling the party. Then Mickey goes all over Mouseton, posting lost dog posters in hopes that he can help him. He even turns to Santa for help at a department store. What he doesn't know is that this is not the usual department store Santa, but the real deal. Meanwhile, Pluto is feeling homesick, and when Santa comes by with a picture of him and a glum-looking Mickey together, Pluto decides to return home. And I had a little note here saying Pluto seeing the hidden Mickey in the wood in the stable. Genius. I, it, yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, there it is. Santa and the reindeer drop him off to Mickey's house for their annual Christmas party. Mickey and Pluto join the others to sing the same melody of various Christmas carols from the first movie. And we have a bit of trivia here saying, The initial idea for Mickey and Pluto's segment involved Mickey sending Pluto off to the North Pole to compete in the reindeer games to win some dog treats. However, the animators decided that they wanted the segment to feature Mickey more. And I wrote down that this was by far my favorite segment from the film. I found it to be both the funniest and having the strongest emotional parts. So I'm giving it an 8 out of 10. I also gave it an 8 out of 10. I'm glad they stuck with this idea because this this feels more like Christmas, like wholesome Christmas. Like, yeah. oh, Mickey and Pluto fight. And then, like, you know, some shenanigans ensue. Because you got to have a little sad in your Christmas yeah, stories. Yeah, you got to have yeah. a little sad in your Christmas stories. Agreed. And then we have the closing credits featuring the song Share This Day performed by Josh Kelly. And it was my first time hearing the song, but I liked it. It could be a different song from the ones you hear on the radio all the time. Like, meaning it, it, you could play it on the radio. The previous song, I don't, it applied more to just this movie, but this one I, feels, I felt like it could be a Christmas radio song. And I gave the song an 8 out of 10. All right. Uh, I give this song a 7 out of 10. I didn't give it a song rating, oh. but, you know, I'll give it one now. Okay. So I have a bunch of trivia here um, from various websites about this movie. I'm only going to go over a few of them. Most importantly, I think this was uh, Disney Toon Studios' very first computer animated film. Mm -hmm. eh, I guess just that one seg that one trivia fact was all I yeah. wanted to include, really. So let's go into our overall scores. Would you like to go first, or do you want me to? Sure. Okay. Uh, I really didn't like a lot of this, but like uh, you know, I felt that a lot of it was people are selfish, and then. They fight, and boom, Christmas spirit brings it all back, like, which, like, makes sense for a Donald segment, but everything else just felt kind of like, uh, and, like, other than that, like, you could have just had an entire movie based on that last segment, and it would have been fine, like, a full-length animated movie, and it would have been fine, and, like, fleshed out the reindeer more, because I like the reindeer, I thought they were great characters, give me more of Donner and Blitzen, please, uh, and, uh, like I said, I did like the Max and a goofy segment, but that feels fairly normal. Mm -hmm. Besides, you know, like I can watch a goofy movie and feel the same way, I'm sure. Uh, I gave this a 7 out of 10. Okay. I enjoyed it. The animation was good. and But I do think Once Upon a Christmas was probably a lot better. Like, the concepts for those shorts were fleshed out. Okay. Well, I wrote down, with the exception of Christmas, the Christmas Impossible segment, 
I think this film is a vast improvement over the first one. And granted, my main gripe with that uh, segment is that it's the same uh, story as Stuck on Christmas from the last film, just done a little differently. The 3D animation can be a little jarring at some points, but I think, I think it works well for the most part. And the segments are thankfully short, so even if you don't like one, it's over relatively quickly. The film also has uh, its two best segments, in my opinion, as the lead and the finisher. And there was a book opening, so points for that. Overall, I'm giving Mickey's Twice Upon, Twice Upon a Christmas a 7 out of 10. It's mostly geared towards kids, but adults can enjoy it too. Anything else you'd like to say? Or? No, that's fine. Right. We're good to go. This has been the Once Again Podcast. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com. Follow us on our social media accounts, Once Again Pod, all one word, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you'd like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. And as always, a like, follow, or share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you and have a wonderful day. And remember, we will entertain you. We will always entertain you. Stiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description.